2: Thanks for listening to Beyond the Ropes Boxing Podcast. Just before we begin this episode, I just want to take a moment to give a shout-out to the sponsors for the podcast, which is Steroplast Healthcare Limited. Steroplast Healthcare Limited, setting the standards across the seven sectors. If you don't already know of them, get onto their website, www.steroplast.co.uk, to look at some of the great products that they do. We've got the boxing wraps, the Tape Zinc Oxide Tape, We've also got the Stereotype Premium and the Stereotype K. Now, we've got World Fight using this tape. We've got local fighters including Charlie Schofield, Ben Sheedy, Jimmy Kelly... Callum Cook. They're all using this tape at the moment and SteroPlast are getting around to all the boxing gyms and you will be able to purchase these items from SteroPlast.co.uk Get over to that website, have a look because the Stero Tape and the Stink Oxide Tape aren't the only things that they actually do. They do provide equipment for emergency rooms for hospitals, uh, other sports they produce items for vets, uh, medical surgeries GPs, first aid, defibrillators things of that nature. So so they're not just all about the stereo tape and the boxing wraps. Get yourself over there and have a look. www.steroplast.co.uk. Welcome to Beyond the Ropes, a boxing podcast brought to you by
0: Easily Boxing Repeat, the place for the Northwest and boxing news, news, reviews, and interviews. Here's your host. John Basso.
2: Welcome to episode number 24 of Beyond the Ropes Boxing Podcast. Sean Bastow, your host, as always, here. Uh, this week, we've got a late replacement, a late substitute, as they say in the football world. Cahill Jennings couldn't make it this week. Uh, he's stuck in Ireland due to the beast from the east, uh, snowing everybody in over there in Dublin. So, I've got a late late and great replacement on this week. Uh, he, he writes for the BBC. Uh, he's done a lot of boxing journalism himself in the past. I'd like to introduce to the show this week, Simon Mann. Simon, how's it going? Hello. Oh yeah, I feel like the uh, the Nikki Holskin of the uh, of the podcast world. Late replacement,
1: but I'm uh, I'm here and I'll uh, I'll try my best. I'll try oh. not to be too underwhelming.
2: <laughs> well, um, before we get on any further with the show today, obviously this this week's been rocked by the sad tragedy of the passing of Scott Westgarth this week after his victory over the weekend. So I just wanted to take a, a moment really to, to to recognise that that issue uh, and and probably touch on a little bit of, of some of the stuff that's happened in the aftermath of that and, and some of the um, the comments that have been put on social media which I think has caused a lot of stir in the past couple of days and a lot of disrespect but first and foremost I, I did want to pay my respects. Um, I didn't know Scott personally I never got the opportunity to, to meet him but from everybody around uh, the Sheffield Boxing Club you know you could tell the, the type of guy that he was from the stories and the, the love that he had from friends and family so I just want to obviously rest in peace Scott and um, I want to move on really first of all and and touch on the issues after it and i think it's well publicized now that tyan booth you know what what happened with that guy what's happened to him to him to to go out and say something on twitter and social media and disrespect a hell of a lot of people why would someone do something like that Simon? i know it's it's terrible i mean the whole
1: thing's really sad obviously our thoughts go out to the sort of family and friends of uh, of scott and and also, I sort of—I uh, always think it's worth mentioning. It must be terrible for his opponent. Yeah, you know, his, his opponent's now got to spend the rest of his life knowing knowing what he's done. You know, whenever you hear people like Barry McGuigan get interviewed about, uh, was it Young Young Ali was the guy he uh, that tragically died when he faced McGuigan in the eighties, and you know, McGuigan's still affected by that to this day. And yeah, you know, that's something that will never go away. And it's, it's a terribly sad thing. Often, I think boxing is well, of we, we get. So, so he gets so passionate about it, and you you want someone, you want your guy to win, and. You know, you're sporting it, but, you know, you get these moments of uh, of just remembering that actually the, the results are really unimportant, aren't they? And you're sort of where uh, your, your heart goes out to the, to the family of uh, that are left behind. I mean, sometimes with this guy you tweeted, you know... Twitter can be brilliant sometimes. You get the immediacy of it, but sometimes you think people need to be on a delay, don't they? Because it's just a stupid thing to have said, and you know it could really affect him. Is he with the Ingalls? And they're sort of all of a sudden they're trying to distance themselves a bit from him
2: yeah they, it was it was he yeah. was affiliated with him and, and and obviously now as we know they they're completely cutting any sort of ties that they've had to him and and as we've seen in the media the last twenty four hours he's had his boxing license uh, suspended well completely taken away from him which is the right thing to do well yeah I mean it was a really stupid thing and you know'd be interesting to see what the sort of the long term consequences for him
1: are it was it was completely different but o'Hara davis a few it must have been a couple of months ago he was tweeting about liverpool wasn't he and then yeah. Off the back of that, match room cut ties with him. His trainer was cutting ties with him. So these things can, you know, saying something stupid can, in the spur of the moment... Can have, can have consequence and it's always sort of worth thinking before you speak sometimes
2: and thinking before you tweet absolutely I don't want to keep going too much with this particular subject of time because I don't really want to give him any more airtime based on what, what he's yeah, actually done so I want to move on and give people a bit of a, a taster of what's on today's episode so uh, in the absence of Cahill he has been a very busy boy this week and he has managed to pick up interviews with Jamie Cox Johnny Nelson and Tyrone McKenna which we will get on to you through the show but first of all I want to go back to to the weekend that's just been that's just gone and talk about some of the fights and you talked about uh, feeling like the uh, Nicky Holsken of the podcasting world, let's talk about the smith Holsken fight, I-, I managed to catch it the day after and I'll watch the highlights and I felt like it was a bit of an underwhelming performance from Callum but he could only do what was put in front of him at the time, with it being a late replacement. Uh, and now he comfortably moves over to the final against George Groves. But, Simon, what did you make of the, the Smith-Holston fight? Yes, I didn't catch it, but by all counts, it was a bit scrappy. I mean, it's a bit of a nightmare situation for Callum
1: Smith, isn't it? You know, he's been preparing for ages for Bremer, Braum has a track record of pulling out of fights, doesn't he? But he does, yeah. you know he's done that. He's done that again. You know he's about hundred years old. As well I was amazed when <laughs> Brayman was in the competition. Actually, when, when the when he was announced, I assumed it was someone else. And I was getting them mixed up. And it was it turned out it was the same guy. He was he's been around forever. But yeah, for Callum Smith, he's got the win. He'll move on, and you know in a few years' time, no one will ever remember this fight, and it, it won't sort of be against him you know the Dutch kickboxer comes in at the last minute there's not much you can do about that for Smith I think going forward it'll be interesting and you know I don't know what's going to happen with this final Groves' injury is sort of rumbling on I think uh, originally the South were talking about they they get a replacement if Groves isn't ready for the final but I think realistically you have to have the Groves-Smith final even if it's delayed I think it'd be it completely undermined the competition if you don't go with the, the, it with, don't wait for Groves to be back from his injury and I think Grove Smith will be sort of similar in a way to Grove's Eubank in as much as. I think Smith and Eubank are sort of in a similar position in their career. They've Smith's been this golden child since he turned he turned pro, he's he's had the big push from um from Eddie Hearn and Matchroom You know, he's often fought on under the cards of big shows. And it's now it's sort of time to put a push up a bit for Callum Smith. I think he's looked very impressive, but now he's going to be in against, you know, a seasoned top quality fighter in George Groves and it'll have a real test on his hands. In a way I think Callum Smith could have done with having the Bremer fight and you know a- against a recognised big name opponent ahead of the ahead of the Groves fight. But it'll be interesting see how it plays
2: out. Well, I agree with everything you've, you're saying because uh, the thing with Crack Allen Smith is, is there's so much potential there and we've talked about it a lot for the last couple of years but, you know, he's had these sort of standout fights which we've talked about where he blew Rocky Field in a way. Um, he looked good in the fight with Eric Scoglund. You know, he overcame a bit of adversity in that fight and he's shown us that he has got a bit more to his game but he wasn't able to really show that in the fight with Halskin over the weekend because it was kind of like a, a box standard defence for him. And, you know, he, he, he just sort of didn't seem to get out of you know first gear really in that in that particular fight and and it didn't look great for for the guys that were watching it you know that that people that paid to watch it people that might have watched it through it was uh, a pay-per-view wasn't it yeah well exactly and i think I'll, absolute disgrace that isn't it it's it's i wouldn't have, i wouldn't have personally paid for it. i think the, what the Sourlands have done previously is some of the events in the cruiserweight side they put them on for free And I think, given the circumstances, they should have put this on for free.
1: I 100% agree. There's few things infuriate me more than the amount of pay-per-view there is in... But, like, because... I know you always have boxing experts on there. I'm not a boxing expert. I'm just a boxing fan. And I think it's disgraceful the way boxing fans are treated. Yet, I remember like last year, there was like a, a three-month period when I think that the Huey Fury fight, uh, someone like the the Groves-Eubank, their early rounds in the Super Series, they were all on pay-per-view. Mayweather-McGregor, Canelo, Golovkin, that was on pay-per-view. Yeah. And they were all within about two months of each other, weren't they? Yeah, it was ridiculous. And like... no no other sports fan gets subjected to that like if you're a football fan you know you've already paid your sky subscription they don't turn around and say oh actually it's a good match this weekend you're gonna have to pay an extra 20 quid <laughs> like no other sports fan gets treated like that I think, it's, I think it's disgraceful the way boxing just takes you for granted and you know <laughs> in my head there should be two maybe three pay-per-view events a year you know you, if you look at like last year i think i'd accept joshua klitschko you know that's heavyweight world title that should be paid that's fair enough that's pay-per-view yeah. and L-O- triple g yeah pay-per-view and, and so and maybe mayweather mcgregor which had a sort of big novelty value to it but other than that there should not be that many pay-per-view events
2: there's too many well, uh, frankly, yeah. frankly there's too many of them uh and and that's what that's why you end up with a lot of the illegal streaming going on to be honest with you because people don't want to pay Well, that's the thing yeah People don't want to pay that sort of money month in, month out. I was saying on one of the episodes in the past two weeks, actually, that I think at some point in last year, I think earlier on in the year, I must have, I, I you know, I, I, paid for it, but I, I must have paid about for three pay per views in the space of something like eight weeks, or something stupid like that. I think it was earlier on in the year as well. It wasn't even the August sort of period, August September time that you was referring to there. It was earlier on in the year, and I just felt to myself, you know, I feel like I'm constantly paying out for pay per views every month here. But I yeah. want to, I want to well, watch. Uh, I want to hey, watch no, him. Gonna be a few weeks time isn't it yeah exactly so uh, we you know, and, you know
1: i mean Hey, David Hayes not had a decent fight for about five years
2: it just sells doesn't it that's the thing it sells and people want to watch it and people will pay to watch it or they'll just go on Facebook and find a stream <laughs> another way there's always well, a way yeah. and there's always a way of doing it but let's let's, let's sort of move on from the wheelboxing Boxing Super Series uh, and look at some of the other fights that happened over the weekend and and uh, one particular upset which stood out to me was Zelfa Barrett he lost his unbeaten record against a very very game and tough man in Ronnie Clark I a lot of people but wasn't expecting this to go the way it did. A lot of people were thinking this is going to be a routine fight for Zelfery and we're going to pick up the victory but Ronnie Clark really came to fight in this one uh, and dropped Zelfer as well. Uh, I think it was in the 6th round. Um, so, you know, Obviously someone correct me if I'm wrong but I think it was around about the 6th round he got dropped and I was absolutely in shock when, when I was seeing this unfold. I, I didn't watch it live because I was out busy commentating myself on a show uh, in Bolton, but when I was watching stuff f- fly through on Twitter and I was seeing these things happen, I was like, wow, no, I really wasn't expecting this. Uh, but Ronnie Clark now is just you know giving himself a great opportunity to, to push on and, and maybe fight for a British Super Featherweight title now because of that victory over Zelfa, whereas Zelfa... Yes, he's young enough to come again. He'll go back to Colliers to Moston and, and, and they'll, they'll they'll go back to the drawing board and they'll regroup and they'll come again. And I think that was probably a very good fight for him, a very good learning fight. And I think a lot of people have said the same thing with that, that he's going to be a good way for, for Zelfa to really learn now and, and capitalise going forward in the future. Uh, did you manage to catch any of the highlights of that one at all? Well, I'm still in shock from seeing his opponent. That guy, the Clark guy that won,
1: luminous air. I mean... He's the scariest looking person I've ever seen. <laughs> I'm I can't cope with that. That sort of that sort of look would put me off. I'm I'm very much. He'd uh, had me beaten before it started. He'd have me. He had me beaten the moment he had that uh, leopard thong on in the <laughs> <skin>. <laughs> I, I mean, it was sad. Obviously, it's sad when a local flat. you know, it's good to see Manchester Fighter is doing well. And you know, hopefully Barrett will be able to come again. Yeah. Uh, so, what do you? How do you think it'll play out? Do you think? Do you think it was just a one-off shock, or do you think uh, this other guy can be a real? real danger
2: no well the thing with ronnie clark is he, he he nearly stopped martin j ward earlier on in his career a few fights before this so he, he can punch he can bang he probably will get a potential shot now um this might happen for him but i don't every time he really has stepped up to to the big leagues he has been sort of knocked back down again and i think this for Zelpha I, you know, with all due respect to him, I don't feel like he, the previous opponents on his record, and all due respect to them, I don't think they, they was as as tough and as difficult and as game as what Ronnie Clark was, or a fight night, Saturday night, and he, he caused the upset. It wasn't expected. Zelfa wasn't the same Zelfa that we've seen before. But again, you can only be as good as what your opponent is on the on the other side of the ring. But I feel for Zelfa. He was on the... Um... He was on that Frank Warren card, wasn't it? At the uh, at York Hall. He was, yeah. With um, we'll talk about that.
1: Because that the, the whole sort of the whole sort of card was basically set up so that he had all these big young names out, didn't he? And they were all going to win, just so. Or set themselves up for, for bigger fights later on in the year. It's it's, it's interesting how often, when, when that happens, there's always someone that, that slips up, and
2: annoyingly for us, it was the Manchester fighter that did. Yeah, well, I want to move down the card and look at the other fights that was on there as well, uh, because obviously, like you say, it was a big card. It was to get the young, young guys out. Anthony Yard picked up a victory over Tony Avalon. Daniel Dubois picked up his victory, and Nathan Gorman also picked up a victory as well. So, we, you know, we've got the guys there that have all picked up victories, and just want to touch on uh, daniel dubois versus nathan gorman a potential future fight we actually managed to get an exclusive interview with him which is on the Eat Sleep boxing repeat website if you want if you guys listening want to catch that you know it's a really great interview from elliot stock but with this particular fight th- th- there's, there's a storm brewing between these two and i think they both spoke about the desire to potentially fight each other in the future with this type of fight would you see it being let's throw him in at this stage now or, or should we wait and l- wait till we see him get a title or not
1: well I heard uh, Ricky Hatton getting interviewed because he's uh, he trained Gorman and he, he was. was saying about waiting and, and Frank Warren's talking about waiting I'm always a fan of just sort of throwing him in there you know I, I don't really see any danger in, in in losing at this stage of the career you know just get him in get him what you don't want is things dragging on for ages I love it when you get situations like Groves and DeGale they fought early on in their career it didn't hold them back that much, you know. They both gone on to win world. Uh, gale went on to win a world championship after it. You know, d- just get them in. The, the Coley Chamberlain fight was a bit underwhelming in the end, but you know, get them in there. You Might as well see it happen. What you don't want is situations where the fight just happens five years too late. You know, in hindsight, Frampton Quig probably should have happened earlier on in their careers. That was that was a bit of an anticlimax when it did that. And you know, they, they ended up building it, but but by, by the by the stage it happened. Frampton was probably a bit better than Quig, and you know, even if you go back in the old days, I know this isn't really a fair comparison, but something like Lennox Lewis, Mike Tyson, that happened five years too late. Because the longer you wait, the more the more bigger they become, the more contracts they'll enter into, promoting, you know, at the moment, they're with the same promoter, they're on the same channel, it's so easy to make the fight happen. You know, just get them in there and see what happens. And I don't see any danger, you know, if someone loses, then so what? They'll be able to build again, come again quite quickly. Is there a danger? What do you think?
2: Well, is there a danger that they could end up having a, a Nikolai Chamberlain match? Which... In fairness to Chamberlain, now uh, you know it, it, I didn't really slate him in the podcast a couple of weeks ago, but I did. I was disappointed with his performance. However, looking at social media in the past week, I believe that he he had some sort of break or fracture in in, in one of his knees, which occurred in the fight. They believe which. Could have been the reason why his performance was so underwhelming and why the fight didn't go as people wanted it to go. But with this particular fight Dubois and Gorman, is, is there a danger that it could turn out to be a similar letdown? Because you remember that Eddie Hearn put Ecoli and Chamberlain at the top of the bill and because there was a little bit of needle between them in the lead up to the fight, it, it, made, it, sell, it made it sell well and people bought into it and, and personally I bought into it and I thought yeah this is this, well, going to be a good fight, there's a bit of needle between them here. But Dubois and Gorman, obviously the two heavy hitters you know they're both really really making waves in the british heavyweight division at the moment is there a danger that if we put them in too soon that we could see another underwhelming fight yeah i mean
1: potentially i think you'd have to put it on sort of a, on a good card wouldn't you i mean if you have that amongst some other good fights you know say that's the chief support of a billy joe saunder's shot then even if it's a disappointing fight then you're not you can't complain too much can you but I think that's the risk you got. I'd rather it happened and, and was underwhelming than than didn't happen at all. I thought Dubois' fight was was interesting. It's sort of the uh, it's the first time I've seen him where you know the other guy was a game opponent, wasn't he? Yeah. He was able to hang around for a few rounds. A few rounds made Dubois think, and you know, I feel like Dubois is the guy that they really want. He's the He's the golden child that they really want to build, isn't he? And it's sort of going to be very interesting to see going forward what Dubois is like when he sort of moves beyond that level where at the moment they're just putting him in with people to knock out, isn't he? He's sort of fighting these guys, you know, game journeymen and whatever. But you know, he's obviously a level above that. But what's what's he going to be like? The mo- you know, I remember David Price was knocking these sort of guys out five years ago. People thought he was going to be the next big thing, but eventually you have to put him in with someone will throw a punch back, and that's when you when you really find out about these people.
2: I feel like what they're doing with Dubois is they're kind of building him up in the same way. Matchroom built Andy Joshua up in, in his career and they put him yeah, in against... That's well, blueprint now that they're going to follow, it? Yeah, yeah. And they put him in against well-known journeymen and then they stepped it up and started putting him in against faded, well-known ex-British champions or, or world title challengers in people like Kevin Johnson and, and, and Michael Sprott and people like that and to see how he would perform and I think this is the way they're going to go with Dubois and, and I think that's how they're going to build it uh, with Dubois. But, Let's move on again. Uh, there's lots of other stuff to cover. Sunday was... Sunday. Oh, well,
1: I just thought, finally, on that on the oh, Saturday on. thing, uh, my, uh, Anthony Yard, you know, it was good to see him out again. The true Yard, for me, is it's going to be one of those classic boxing shooting itself in the foot moments, isn't it? Because what I'd like to see with Yard is him in with... Uh, what's the guy? Uh, I've forgotten the name now. Uh, Jose, not Jose, Well, Jose Burton. Frank Buggaliani. Uh, right. He's the guy that, Leone, exactly. They're the sort of fights I'd love to see happen, but you, I've got a horrible feeling that they're going to be scuppered by being with different promoters and stuff. It was interesting that um, Burton was—he was first on on that uh, Next Gen card. I'm sure I'm probably preempting what you want to talk about next year, but you know, he's—he was a guy that was uh, really on the way up 18 months ago when he had when he took that Leone fight. He probably went in as favourite. All of a sudden, he's now fighting first on a Next Gen card. You know, he, his career has really stalled over the last 18 months, but. I'd love to see Yard in with these sort of
2: people, but I'm not sure it's going to happen. How do you think it'll play out? I think that the issue you've got, and it's something I've touched on uh, in the previous episode of the podcast, I think it could have been last week's episode, actually, that uh, the the problem we've got is promoters not wanting to work together and... Eddie Earn and Frank Warren are not going to work together anytime soon in reality and that's the problem we've got here and until they do all we're going to see is them both going down different routes until it gets to a point where either one of them moves to the same promotional company and the fight gets made or they just never fight and we never see it and that's one of the Person. that's the issue one of the issues I have with boxing in general is is the, the lack of willingness to work together with with the big promoters because they're competing against each other they don't want to actually work together and put the uh, this type of a big fight on the, I think like you said about Josea Burton we're kind of talking about the next gen, gen show which was what I was going to move on to so josea Burton was first on the next gen show hey I'm
1: a professional like that mate smooth links that's what I do that's what I'm bringing
2: to the table I don't have any boxing knowledge but I can segue that's what I can do <laughs> you Got, I've got to give you your credit. You got a little bit of boxing knowledge, to be fair. <laughs> <laughs> Jose Burton, then, like you said, you feel like he's stalled a little bit in the past eighteen months. I agree. Since the fight with Buglione, we've not really seen him. Uh, I would say in a meaningful fight, and and that's my issue at the moment is is where are they where are they taking him? Because they're getting him out. Yes, he's active and he, he's fighting. He had a tough fight on uh, Sunday night, to be fair. We, you know, at, at points he looked. Um, it, how, good opponent wasn't it yeah it, it look, well if you look at the opponent's record the opponent had only only fought seven times before he fought Buglione. Uh, uh oh eight times sorry and it, it was a 4-3-1 record so he wasn't really anybody you would have expected to cause the problems that he did and I felt like he did cause Jose Burton some problems on the night and you know when he when he walks away I felt, when he walks away with the win I felt mm, he's won it but I don't think he's looked massively impressive in this fight I don't think his opponents are going to be looking and thinking hmm, you know, is this right? the this type of fight I want, is it really going to sell, is it really going to make the money I want it to make me to, to put my sort of record on the line so to speak so yeah I don't think he did him any justice uh, on on Sunday night, but he got out. He got the victory. Um, I'd like to see him in with Buglione again or Anthony Yard, and I know he wants them fights. So we're just gonna have to wait to see what happens. I tell you what. Yeah, the-
1: I mean the trouble is that I think Buglione's lined up to fight. Uh, is it Callum Johnson? He's the Gallagher fighter, yeah, isn't he? He is. So, I mean, like, Burton's basically left in the waiting game, isn't he? He's going to have to see what the sort of fallout from that is. And, it, and you know, if it ends up, if Johnson ends up winning, then Bugliona then Jose Burton and, and Gallagher's have, have got a real issue about whether or not they're going to fight each other, aren't they? But I think Buglione will come through. I think the rematch is an obvious fight to, to make at some stage. And, and I think it'd be a bit of a
2: thriller if it, if it happens. But, yeah, I'd love to see them all in together. Yeah, it'd be good that. Um... But let me, let me talk about another fight on that card. I don't know if you, you you caught it on Sunday night. Jordan Gill and Jason Cunningham, what a fight that was.
1: Yeah, I wasn't expecting much, but it was a real up, wasn't
2: it? And then, yeah, the, the uh, Caldwell guy came through in the end, but it was, uh, yeah, it was a good fight, wasn't it? It was a really good fight, and at the time, I think a lot of people just expected Jordan Gill to go in there and comfortably, comfortably win the fight and not make it into the up that it was, because at the time... Going into the fight, Jordan Gill was 18-0. Jason Cunningham was 23 with four losses on his record so he obviously he'd, he had stepped up previously and lost fights whereas Jordan Gill was obviously coming in as the as the one that was sort of the favourite to go forward and he, he just turned into a magnificent fight especially in the latter half of the fight it was Jordan Gill sort of seemed to control it for the first half the second half of the fight it just turned into an absolute war and it was a fantastic fight especially for people watching it at home and sky yeah
1: yeah I, I, I really enjoyed it and uh, yeah and it was and, you know you don't really expect much from those next gen shows on a Sunday evening but that was a you know it was that's good entertainment
2: for a Sunday night. It was, and uh, Eddie Hearn said it, I think, in one of the uh, one of the, the, the pre-fight interviews. Um, he was talking about, you know, boxing on a Sunday night, and I, I was there, I was literally sat feet away from him when he was saying this, so he was talking about the fact that, you know, it was great to put a show on on Sunday night in boxing, and he was right, and I, I'd be interested to see how many views it got through Sky and... and other sources uh, because I think you know what what else is on the telly on a Sunday night these days As and uh, as sports fans it's wanna... that or dancing on ice isn't it so <laughs> well there you go it's either dancing on ice or a next gen show I know what I would prefer <laughs> to watch I mean you know th- don't get me wrong I'm a big fan of Phil
1: Schofield I don't want to have a bad word said about him, <laughs> but yeah it's all about boxing it That's interesting a... location I thought they used, uh, I've never seen boxing
2: at that uh, Victoria Warehouse before it's it's usually used For smaller hall shows I've been there I think two or three times to watch some of the Northwest Promotional companies, uh, VIP Boxing Promotions. They've had a couple of shows on there. They did the UK versus Africa show on there uh, back in November, where which, funnily enough, one of the fighters that we're going to talk about next was on that show, Joe Murray against Lewis Ritson. That was a shock.
1: Yeah. Well, I mean, I was... Uh, I suppose Ritson's favourite going in, wasn't he? But I thought, I thought it'd be a lot tougher.
2: I thought Joe Murray had a real chance in that, but it was all over and around. Well this is what the shock was for me I wasn't shocked at the result being a Ritson win, I was just shocked in The the way he won He A lot of the things that that Have happened in boxing, you know, you hear about Fights and you hear about uh, People for taking fights at short notice John Murray took this fight, from, my, from what I believe on, on a four week notice He always wanted a British title fight He'd been screaming for it for months And he got the opportunity, but he'd only got four weeks Notice for it, so when he came out in the first round, and he came out sort of guns blazing, I thought, this is not the right tactic to be coming out with. And as soon as he came out with it, I thought, he's, he's, he can't go toe-to-toe with Ritson, because Ritson's proved already in his career that he can bang. And that body shot that he got in with, I, like I said, I could hear it from where I was sat. It was it was thudding, and I thought, how, he, how he's going to get up in this, I do not know. But you know what, he got up, to his credit, he got up and... Ritson just continued and finished the fight Uh, and it was over within a round and Joe Murray's dreams of being a British title and taking the British title back to Manchester were over it in a flash, really. And Lewis Ritson... Yeah, dis- he looked, Murray looked so despondent after the fight. You could tell he was just heartbroken
1: at, at what had happened. And you don't really... I can't really see where he's going to go from here. And it's a real tough
2: one for, for Joe Murray to take, isn't it? I, I, well, I've said it before now. I think what's going to happen, personally, is that he's going to retire because I can't see Joe Murray wanting to go back down to, to below this level because he's always believed himself to be at this level so I can't see why he'd want to go back down the only reason he, he might stay in boxing now is is to, to support himself and support his family I think that would be the only reason but I don't know whether he'll just retire now and that, that'll be the end of it for Joe but again it was his it was his opportunity he, he couldn't get the victory here on this night so what else is what else can he do now he's, he's, he's failed in an attempt before <sighs> I honestly couldn't didn't see He's in the who needs him club, isn't he, now? Yeah, well, this is it. I can't see I can't see where he can go from here, to be fair. But Lewis Ritson, on the other hand, oh, there's a world of possibilities for Lewis Ritson at the moment.
1: Well, yeah, I mean, he's come out of nowhere, hasn't he? I remember I saw he was on the undercard of Crawler Burns, wasn't he, last he was. year? Uh, we both went to. And that was the first time I'd ever seen him. And, you know, he, you know, he looks all of a sudden, he looks like a star in the making, doesn't he? He's from the northeast, isn't he? because Josh Kelly's from Newcastle as well, and you suddenly think, oh, maybe I'll start putting shows on there. There's so many domestic matches that you can start looking at, isn't he? You know, Scott Carter was there at the na- yep. on the night, and you know, looking at maybe making that Masher Dodds around. You know, this he's it, pretty tasty at that weight division, isn't it? And that's b- before you start looking at people like Crawler Burns. Is that is that Josh Taylor's weight division as well?
2: Uh, oh, I think he moved. Did he move up to light welterweight or super lightweight? I'm pretty sure. Uh, taylor's up at super lightweight um but yeah regardless i mean it's it's pretty exciting times for for ritson
1: and obviously you know it only lasted a round he didn't take much punishment so he, he must be ready to come out he'll be able to fight again pretty soon you'd think get him out again in, in big big domestic fights gonna be a big year i think for uh for ritson and by by this time next year at the moment you very much he's a fighter very much on the rise isn't he i think it'll be interesting to see this time next year, we'll know whereabouts his level is because I think it, he'll be in big domestic fights, and will he be able to see people off and move on to European world level, or is is he going to be a, a sort of? just a domestic fighter but what do you expect
2: uh, for Ritson I expect him to go on to face Cardell next I expect a good fight with Cardell I think he beats Cardell and then I would love to see him in against Mashedod uh, providing Mashedod beats Tommy Coyle on the American Khan undercard in April that that would be a fight I'd love to see because there would not be a backward step for me the man uh, it probably wouldn't last long but <laughs> it, it, it would be an interesting fight as long as it lasted and an entertaining one for the fans for sure yeah i mean the thing is what i'd love to see is uh is in, go going for john murray to
1: come out of retirement and, and re- avenge his brother's loss that's what that'd be my absolute dream and that's the reason i was so sad about joe murray but when i started getting into boxing it was around sort of 2008 2009 when john murray was like a big name and he was in those kevin mitchell fights and he had that World title fight against Reaustinian. Yep. I was such a big fan. <laughs> and that's why I was so heartbroken when I when I saw Joe Murray on uh, on Sunday
2: night. I think I think with John, if he could come back without any medical issues he would but with obviously the eye being the way it is we had him, we had him on the show last week and he was obviously he was asked by Cahill about his vision in his eye and you know he hasn't got vision in, in one of his eyes now because of that um, but he's, he's still able to do what he does in, in, in training youngsters in the gym and helping train Joe yeah. so well, and the way he used to fight as well I mean he he just
1: head down he'd walk he'd take a lot of shots wouldn't he I mean he's yeah. not like he's not like he was ducking and weaving
2: or anything was no it? no he was very much an all action fighter but <laughs> There was a great, there was a lot of great fights on the card. Um, a lot of great fighters. Obviously, Natasha Jonas was there. She picked up a, a six-round victory. Um, we also had the debutant of Keish Ashvat, new Matchroom signing, a previous Olympian, Team GB. He was on the card. He looked uh, pretty decent against Brett Fido, and and it was overall a pretty decent show. To be fair, you know, it was good to have it. In a different venue in Manchester, rather than say the Manchester Arena, it's a bit more of an enclosed space in there. So it was it was nice to be in that environment. But no, yeah, I don't it's,
1: know. Not, it's good just to have an option. I think in yeah. Manchester for you know if you're not going to go at the arena, if you're going to have a small lower level fight than that, then you know it's a good option. I remember a few years ago I went to uh, Scott Quigg versus Rendell Munro and like Quigg at the time, I think he was getting promoted. He was getting trained and promoted by Hatton, I think, and uh, and he was at the Velodrome. It was really the most random place to go and watch boxing. <laughs> because i remember it, k- it kicked off in the crowd uh, as it often does and then but like the security were all on the sort of the fight was obviously happening in that middle bit but it kicked off in the stand but they, so the security had to run up but you know like how steep it is at cycling tracks
3: yeah
1: so it was, <laughs> it was like sort of the last round of gladiators because they'd, they'd sort of try and run up the track to climb over but then they'd, they'd fall just slot and sort of slide back down again it was uh oh, i, I love it and, and then the fight ended up getting called off in like the first round because there was a clash of heads. So the most exciting part about my night was watching
2: the security guards try and clamber up <laughs> <laughs> trap cycling venues. Yeah. <laughs> uh, well, what I want to do is, um, like I said earlier on at the start of the show, we have three interviews. And the first of the three interviews from Cahill is with Tyrone McKenna, who is facing Phil Sutcliffe in a couple of weeks. So I'm going to stick that on for the listeners now, uh, and we'll come back in a few moments. I just wanted to get your take on the Philip Sutcliffe Jr. fight
4: Yeah, um, so it's, I think it's a big break up fight for, for myself um, I've
3: been I've been calling out near enough everyone in the division um, it's strong the year but actually I I've got someone that's, that's a good fighter everyone knows who's going on I do who well really. Philip Sutcliffe is and I'm very very excited for it um, yeah it's, it's, a, it's a fight that I can get
4: And how do you see a fight going with Philip?
3: Um, you know, everyone knows he's a puncher. Um, I think if I see he's going to be, uh, Ryan of and then I think he's going to take over in the later rounds. So i uh, knock him out in the fourth or the eighth or the ninth.
4: You fought Philip in the, uh, in the amateurs. How do you see a pro fight? Do you think that'll be different from the amateurs? Yeah. don't seem to like each other as they're genuine bad blood there What do you think a, a win over over Philip would do for do for you this year? You're both with MTK. Do you think a fight with O'Hara Davis? Since you are both with the same management, do you think a fight with O'Hara Davis maybe could be possible if uh, if you if you won against uh Junior. Yeah. Just wanted to wanted to get your view on uh, how excited you are to uh, to fight on such a big card on uh, Carl Frampton's card. you see uh, uh, Frampton's fight going with the And do you think if you could beat um, Sutcliffe Jr., maybe with another fight, would you like to be challenging for the British title at some point this year?
2: There you go, interview with Tyrone McKenna. Uh, he's got a fight in a couple of weeks. Really looking forward to seeing him back in the ring. He's promoted by MTK Global. But let's move on now from, from that interview and let's move on to what's going to happen this weekend because we've got an exciting lineup. And I want to start at the top of the pile, really. The fight that a lot of people are going to be interested in this weekend uh, is Deontay Wilder versus Luis Ortiz. We're in America. That's the fight that I think... A lot of people have got their eyes on because they want to see what's going to happen and they want to see whether Wilder's going to beat Ortiz uh, and set up a potential future fight with Anthony Joshua. Simon, I'm coming back to you now. What what do you make of this particular fight? Well, I mean, heavyweight world title
1: always gets you interested, doesn't it? I mean, and and by the very nature, you never really know what's going to happen. I've got to be honest, I'm not a big fan of Ortiz. Uh, I think failing a drugs test, I think he failed it twice, hasn't he, as well. As, I mean, we started this show talking about, you know, the, the brutal tragedy that can be boxing sometimes and you know if you're going in to fight someone and you've been taking drugs to to beef yourself up i think that it really is out of order i think i think in general i think boxing's got a big problem with drugs and Ortiz very much represents that for me so from from purely from that point of view i'd like to see wilder come through with with a win and just in general i'd like to see wilder come through because You'd, you know, you'd love. To, it's good to have an American world champion at the end of the day in the heavyweight division, and Wilder, Wilder, Joshua would be would be a fantastic fight if they could make that this year.
2: How do you see it playing out? It's, you know, what it's, it's, it's a difficult one really. I want Wilder to win personally, and that's mainly because of the fact of the what you'd have said there really, the fact that he, Ortiz, has been proven a drugs user more than once, is he shouldn't even be fighting for a world heavyweight title, he should be banned from the sport simple as that, and a lot of people will agree on that, you know if, if he'd had some sort of drink which had something in it, which he'd been given by his team, and it was a, a situation where you know, it can be not justified, but maybe there was a, a genuine genuine heartfelt excuse for it then maybe you could forgive him slightly but the guy's been He's been caught now more than once. It's not a mistake. It's obviously... He's got to have had knowledge of it, and he shouldn't be fighting for a World Heavyweight title. It's simple as that. So on that, on that basis... Yeah, I mean, the
1: thing is, you know, sometimes people are misguided. They make mistakes. You know, fail, they ended up taking drugs, fail a drugs test. And, I, you know, I, I sort of, in general, believe in, in life he should be given a second chance. And I'm not about writing people off, but the fact that he's had
2: a second chance and then failed another drugs test, like, and that's the worst thing about him for me. Yeah, no, absolutely. I want... I want Wilder to win. I want him to set up this fight, a potential fight with Andy Joshua. So I'll be, will, I will be will be watching. I want to see I want to see what the outcome is. But Ortiz, to his credit, is looking in phenomenal shape. And um, I don't think we've ever seen the best of him, to be honest with you. He's not been impressive in the last couple of fights I've watched him in. So whether he comes and turns and, and does something different, or whether we'll end up seeing a crazy knockout like we've seen with Wilder and Stavern, that'll be also quite good to see. I think he'll be getting his just desserts there, Ortiz, if that happens. But you can never predict it, like you say, so let's see what happens uh come saturday night i want to i want to also sort of touch now back over here back in britain there's a good card on on saturday night uh, there's quite a few fights on and it's being headlined by kelbrook and sergey rabchenko kelbrook now moving up to the super welterweight division it's about time he moved up isn't it
1: uh yeah uh long overdue when he was um i forget, I forget the name of the whatever weight division he was world champion for a few years and there was there was a period of time before the golovkin fight where he Kept having these mandatory challenges, and you know it wasn't really—it was no one's It not Eddie Hearn's fault or or Matchroom's fault, but these mandatories would always just be rubbish. Remember fighting an Australian once who was useless, and you, you felt like yeah he should just move up. Big test for him, you know, off two defeats as well and two bad defeats. You know the the Golovkin fight, he had the, that eye socket issue, comes back. Errol Spence Jr. looked a class apart as well and then it was the other eye socket wasn't it so yeah. I feel like there's a lot of pressure on this for uh for Brook. he could have taken a much easier fight and just tried to build towards an Amir Khan fight later on in the year and, th- and that's sort of affected what Khan's done with his opponent you know he's gone for an easier opponent and knowing that losing would put him in a real a real issue he's gone in with this Rabchenko guy who beat Ryan Rhodes a few years ago so I mean, I mean you know, I'm expecting him to be pretty good and you know it's big pressure I think on kelbrook because if he loses, it'll be an absolute disaster for him. I don't I really don't know what to do if he lost.
2: I don't think he'd be able to go anywhere to be honest with you. Where, where would he go from there? He, he certainly Well his negotiating
1: want... position with Khan would be busted, wouldn't it? Yeah,
2: I d don't think Khan'd wanna wanna do that fight. I think at the moment it's very much looking like that, that fight's you know, they're trying to make it happen. I think Kelbrook could you know, he's proven he can come back down to the welterweight division from going up two weights to, to, to fight Golovkin. Um but it's just really depending on how the, the careers both play out. I mean, if if Brook wins this fight, it sets up you know a potential future fight with Khan. But it's whether he can make that welterweight limit again. You know the reason they were sort of talking about moving up in the first place was that they were saying he was struggling to make the weight. So, uh, is a fight going to happen? But Khan, to be fair to Khan, he could probably move up to to, to super to super welterweight or light middleweight and. We could see that fight happen, uh, but at the moment, I think for Calbrook, he needs this victory at the weekend. If he doesn't get this victory, I think often
1: when you know people backs against the wall, that's when they bring out the best. Yeah, you know, Calbrook must know that this is a must-win fight for him. So, I mean, you know, I do expect he'll be at his best for this because you know it is now or never it's not now or never which he has a, that sounds like he's not achieved stuff in the past he's you know he's been a world champion yeah he's been one of britain's best fighters for the last five years, five ten years maybe but you know yeah it is for, in terms of the future of his career it, you feel like it's must win and he can't really afford any setbacks this weekend and be uh, it'll be interesting to see how he copes with that
2: yeah absolutely i, I, I want to see what happens i want to see whether there's been any improvements made but i also want to see whether he's he's, he's Orbital bones hold up because that's been an issue in the past two fights, and that's what led him to sort of call an end to the last fight. Which you know, a lot of people were saying, Oh, well, he kind of quit, and you know, the whole quit debate came out about it, but again. Do you, do you you know if if he doesn't win this fight where does he go? Exactly, yeah. So it's uh,
1: it's an interesting one, isn't it? And, and, and you know, good luck to him. I always want the British fighters to win, so yeah, be good to see. Uh, be good to see how it plays out.
2: Yeah, well, it's a good, it's a decent card. We've got some good fights on it. I'm looking forward to seeing Dave Allen, uh, who seems to have really rededicated himself to boxing, and he's got himself into great shape now, and he's looking to re- go for the Commonwealth title in a rematch with Lenroy Thomas. So. That, that's one particular fight. We had Dave on a couple of weeks ago on the podcast and he was talking about how he's rededicated himself to boxing. He's took it seriously. Uh, he feels like this is his time. You know, he's only a young guy. He's still only like 25 as well. What do you think uh, of Dave Allen's chances of, of making something within the heavyweight division?
1: Uh, yeah, well, I mean, in terms of this fight, I think it's definitely winnable. I remember watching the first fight last year. And, you know, this Leonard Thomas guy, he, you know, he's a big lad, but I don't think he's, he's not unbeatable, is he? I think, Alan, Alan could take him. I hope he does. He's an interesting character and sort of good luck to him going forward. I think he'll be a sort of British Commonwealth level fighter. I don't think I don't foresee him going any further than that. I think that's his level. But I think he could put him in a good performance on Saturday. He's a bit of a laugh, isn't he? And you know, he sells tickets. He's sort of good on an undercard. I'm not sure he'll ever be a main main event sort of guy. But, you know, he he takes the win this weekend. There's a lot of British domestic heavyweight title, uh, fighters that you could fight against in the future. You know, we talked about D- D- Dubois and Gorman earlier on in the show. You know, he, he might be a prime opponent for one of them when they sort of move up to the next level. Someone like Joe Joyce is coming through, uh, getting promoted by David Hay. Maybe he'll, you know, there's a, there's a lot of fights out there for, for Dave Allen. And uh, yeah, yeah, I really hope he wins at the weekend. I'm, I'm a bit of a fan.
2: Yeah, no, I am too. <laughs> to be fair, I am as well. I've always kind of followed his career. And I think now seeing on social media what he's been doing and the dedication he's shown and the interview he had with Cahol a couple of weeks ago on the show, you know, you can really tell now that he really is, is, is in it now. He's really got his men- mental game and his mental. Hat the
1: Fury's rave about him, don't they? I think uh, Peter Fury, you know, talks about him very highly, and you know, and they must have had him in as a sparring partner a few times for, uh, for when, they, when they've been training fighters. So yeah, good luck to him.
2: Yeah, uh, another fight on that particular card. Simon is Gamal Yufai going in against Gavin McDonald. Uh, Gamal Yufai currently undefeated in the super bantamweight division. Gavin McDonald, as we've seen, had his one shot a uh, world title, uh, came up short. Uh, he's now looking to fight for the WBC International Super Bantamweight title, which is what's on the line on Saturday night. Gamal Yufai, Gavin McDonald. Again, good fight for the card. I've said it before, I think in the past, it's a bit of a crossroads fight, this one, because uh, obviously Gamal could take a loss in this one and come back, whereas I don't think Gavin McDonald could.
1: Yeah, and, and you know, it's just a fight of the sibling dynasties, isn't it? Yeah. Finally, we're getting it. A- it seemed inevitable there's so many mcdonald's and so many your eventually they had to go in against each other didn't they <laughs>
2: uh what do you make of them um, uh, what, what do you make of this fight then simon do you think do you think this is um the last opportunity for mcdonald
1: yeah it probably is i think both of mcdonald's are likable but uh yeah i think it, i think it's sort of time for him yeah you know, and maybe he'll ca- i think your has got ideas of, of sort of fighting big international stars hasn't I think McDonnell's best chance may well be if Yafai's is not taking this fight too seriously, and uh,
2: be interesting to see how he plays out. But yeah,
1: uh, so who, who do you expect to win?
2: Uh, I well, it depends on um on on if Kevin McDonald can can really turn up the gears. I don't know whether we've if what we've seen of him in his world title shot was the best of what we could get out of him, and I think both like. Obviously, Gamal Yafai and Kal, Yafi, they, you know, they're, they're certainly really making massive waves within their respective divisions. I, I do see Gamal edging this one. I do think it'll be a points victory. I think if, if McDonald loses this, I'd, I struggle to see then where he could potentially go. Could he go back down to domestic level and, and fight for a British title again? Yes, he probably could. But I think he obviously has got dreams to try and become a world champion, like his brother Jamie. If it doesn't come through... Uh, you know I, I wouldn't like to say he needs to retire but I, I wouldn't really see where he could go uh, to achieve any more dreams than what he's already done in his career so it, it is a, for me personally it's a bit of a crossroads one but we'll see what happens come Saturday night it's going those to be those weight a, divisions always go to points don't they out yeah. on points is my prediction as well yeah I, I think that's going to be that put all uh, your money on it Put a million pounds on it. Remortgage your house. <laughs> don't, that, <laughs> don't be holding you liable for yeah, that yeah, one time. No, don't do no, don't <laughs> come back to me. <laughs> Kid Kid Galahad, also on the card. Rocky Field in uh, late Edition in Sam Eggington as well.
1: Yeah, I mean, it is, it's, it's a stacked card, isn't it? I remember uh, Kid Galahad was getting the big promotions. Like He was, he was the, the star name on Channel 5 a few years ago with... Um, when they sort of moved into boxing under Mick Hennessy and they had uh, they had Keith Galahad, Tyson Fury and Chris Eubank Jr. And I think Galahad sort of lost his way, he failed that drugs test, didn't he? And I think he was always desperate for a Quigg or Frampton fight and they were never that interested. So he's, he's left sort of still real re- rebuilding five years on. It'll be interesting to see what he can do. He's obviously trained by the Ingalls and they, they don't produce bad fighters, do they?
2: No, he's still undefeated as well. I think that a lot of people forget that he is still an undefeated featherweight. He's twenty three and zero, so he's still craving that big shot. And I think, um, I think he, you know, given what he's done since he's come back to boxing, I think he he just needs to keep pushing himself, needs to get good opponents in, needs to start stepping it up. because I think there's only going to be so so many opportunities for a fighter that they can get but there's an interesting subject that I want to talk to you about later about opportunities and how many fight, how many opportunities certain fighters have got because there's a new, a new story that's broke today funnily enough as we're recording so I'll touch on that later but um, yeah that particular card a decent card uh, you move up the border and you go to Scotland and you see Josh Taylor fighting for the WBC sil- Silver super lightweight title he's fighting a late replacement in Winston Campos and currently holding a record of 30 with 5 draws Josh Taylor expects to win that one Uh, Josh Taylor, Simon, what do you make of him so far in his career? uh big fan
1: big fan i think he could he could really go on to be a bit of a superstar josh taylor you know the way he uh he was so he was was just comprehensively beat a bahara davis last year and i think the mcguiggins are really pushing him as well he's sort of the along with groves he's sort of their star guy barry McGuigan's birthday today incidentally as -hmm. as we're recording this Mm -hmm. but uh, yeah i think uh i think i expect josh taylor to win uh, i think he'll go on to to bigger bigger and better things i think I think really what he would love is a fight against Burns, but I, I don't think that'll happen. I think Ricky Burns will uh, will avoid him. And uh, But yeah, I think Josh Taylor could be a star for for years
2: to come. Well, I've, I've been impressed with him so far, to be fair, and, and, and obviously I'll try and catch the fight. If I don't catch it on the night, I will try and catch it the following day. I do want to see his progression because he does look like one that could really, really progress very far in that particular division. And I don't think it'll be long before he's knocking on the door of the big stars of the division. You know, he, he could end up fighting... Jack Catterall in the future for the British title uh, that way, so there's a, a lot of opportunities for Josh out there, but the, obviously that show is also there as well, uh, on Saturday night at the SSE, uh, so it's another good show, it's, it's a really busy weekend yet again for boxing over in Ireland, they've got the last man standing tournament over in, uh, is it Belfast or Dublin, I can't remember, but it's uh, essentially like a prize fighter tournament over in Ireland, and um, we've got a Bolton's Jack Cullen going over, which I wasn't aware of until Saturday night, that he's actually entered the tournament at the last minute i always like them i always like them tournaments and they've got this one over in ireland on saturday night which is going to be great but i don't know if there's any coverage of it anywhere so i'll be really good if i can't get to see any of it um but let's let, touch on that subject a little bit there simon what do you think about the recently announced ultimate boxer tournament
1: uh which one is that i'm getting
2: confused with them now which one is that the one that's going to be like Prizefighter, or is that a yes. One. No. No. That's the one. That's it uh,
1: It's the it's similar format. All to done Bri- in a night. Yes. I used to really like Price Fighter. Yes. Yeah, so I'll be interested to see how it goes. uh I think the thing with Price Fighter was they used to like throw in like the old rogue, like big name, didn't they? Yeah. Like suddenly, like someone like Jimmy Witters is a turn up or or Roddy Harrison. So, and I I used to really like that. So i would be interested to see if they if they, if these new newer form formats second time around if they also are able to attract sort of a, a sort of a big name from the past to uh to turn up so i think that can be key but uh, yeah i really enjoy him man. It, it's you know it's good exposure for the fighters that are involved and he can just get you know he can sort of build stars people from nowhere can get when Aldi harrison won off the back of winning prize fighter aldley harrison got that world title shot against david Hay, didn't he yeah. and i remember uh remember was it gary buckland won and won one, 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 one. I beat yeah. gary sykes and when, yeah, when yeah, sykes did, yeah. was sort of very much on the rise and that that suddenly catapulted him to British level so you know it can be a real catapult to to people's careers and I also think there's not really much risk for the boxer in as much as if someone loses on one of them I don't think anyone's really holds it against them I think it's sort of it's just sort of put down as a bit of a novelty loss you know what can you do with that sort of situation whereas if you win it can be real fill up to your career so yeah I'm a big fan glad to see it
2: yeah well just before we head over and look at some of the action over in USA this coming weekend Cahill he also caught up with Jamie Cox as well this week so again like I said earlier he's been a very busy boy this week Cahill. so thank you very much for that when you listen to the episode we've got a great interview coming up now with Jamie Cox so guys have a quick listen to what Jamie Cox has been up to and and we'll come back to you in about five minutes nah
4: no problem yeah we just uh, want to know how you've been getting on Jamie how, how, how have you been
3: yeah just after that loss with um, Groves, I just had a, a few weeks off. And then i um, was been training now, uh, uh, preparing uh, to, to, to rebuild and win some fights and get back in the mix again.
4: And Groves was your first defeat. How, how did you take that defeat? How were things after the fight?
3: Uh, I felt uh, disappointed in myself because I <clears throat> uh, went against the instructions. I John was saying, just to see instead Costello, my trainer, was telling uh, me to stay with the uh, jab in the fight, uh, which I was doing. And I felt him fade in and uh, I was having a success uh, with my strength on him, and, um, uh, and I could feel him deteriorating a little bit, and uh, I went early. I should have stayed, stayed, stayed boxing him for the, for the next couple of rounds, uh, and uh, I felt the give me a shot, and... Uh, when you make you know when you when you me wrong or make, make mistakes you know you get punished and you call me a good
4: boy Sure. And for someone who's been in the World Boxing Super Series, uh, what do you think it's done for boxing? Do you think this kind of format is something that we uh, we should see in the future and something that has benefited boxing? Uh,
3: most definitely, I think it's the better. I think it's uh, a great platform for uh, for, 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 for uh, world level fighters that don't who uh, avoid each other. It makes the big fights happen, uh, as we've seen in the. Uh, Cruiserweight title, uh, the cruiserweight uh, uh, line up. I think uh, at the end of this year, when the when the finals in Canada, they'll be the five champions. So uh, they they you know they have all the belts and um, yeah, see, I think it's great and it's very very exciting
4: and I think the production. Yeah, I was going to ask, you what do you make of the kind of production side of it? The kind of more um almost kind of Champions League kind of way of doing things. Uh, do you think that kind of thing could be um, could be brought into other sides of boxing, maybe the kind of production side with the lights and the kind of stuff and the glamour? Do you think that's something that uh, we're going to see more more of? Yeah, yeah, yeah
3: definitely. But I think it's my most important move. next makes the boxing super-series what it is, uh, makes it individual for itself, and I think it's uh, very good. Obviously, um, there's, you know, uh, Eddie Hearn, who actually... Uh, Eddie, uh, my promoter put me into this and to um, uh, go in it, uh, which was great. really appreciated that. Um, you know, he does all massive shows like football stadiums and things like that. So you know, you've got the different different ends, you've got the big massive stadiums. These ones are more in, like the uh, webinar. 10,000 sort of speakers, but the production of the lighting and that, the different sort of feel, uh, and standing on these podiums and all this stuff. So it's a little bit different and um, but it makes it individual
4: and uh, makes it excited. And I, w- I was going to ask you was it Eddie Hearn who approached you or were you approached and then you said it to Eddie Hearn that it was something you like to do? was No, it- no, no. Eddie asked me did
3: I want to get involved, kept in it. Uh, uh, he's been asked, and I said, Of course, I jumped at the chance and, um, and uh, it was. a great experience
4: and it was something that you are involved in from the very start we're seeing now that George Groves may or may not be fifth for the final Um, one thing I did want to ask is the alternate the alternate fighters are they agreed before the competition are they set that they will step in no matter who the opponent is we see him with Callum Smith at the weekend he's been put in with what looks like an MMA fighter is that set out from the very start Uh, I'm
3: not sure how that works the logistics of it and Callum Southland and uh, their team obviously you know more about it but I'm
4: not too sure on that uh, I just wanted to get your take on the George Groves um, Eubank fight the other night what did you make of that?
3: Yeah I thought, the, I thought the, um, it went the way I thought, I thought
0: he, uh,
3: Eubank's tough and uh, you know, he throws them wild shots um, and if they land they're dangerous and uh, I thought Groves going to box him and uh, when he lands a heavy shot Eubank's not going to commit uh, he's going to be where of committing and it's all was that way throughout the whole fight, and do spent the game out very well, and books uh, books, books are audio very
4: good. And what do you think Chris Eubank should do from here? Do you think he needs to uh, make some serious changes, maybe move down to middleweight? But do you think a trainer is something that he really need to uh, really need to invest in? Well,
3: uh, you know, he, said, he said was a great fighter. He has great experience. Uh, I don't know really what they, they were, uh, they're achieving. Eubank's a good fighter. Um, Eubank uh, Junior. It's just. I think they need to make go back, have a little rest, and uh, and uh, make some changes. You know, because it, it doesn't it doesn't mean nothing now. Hitting the bag the next day after, or hitting, hitting pads the next day should have been. You know, there needs to be some adjustments, and, uh, right in the fight right? But we are now in the gym.
4: And you've been linked with perhaps a, a comeback fight for Eubank Jr. Would that be something you'd be interested in? bank was willing to move or was going to move down to middleweight, would you move down just for just for that fight? Uh no, it
3: would have to be a because middleweight is a bit hard for me to make. I wouldn't be able to make middleweight easy. Uh, but a catchway yes, yeah, most certainly. I, I
4: was gonna ask you, so you're you're planning on staying at super middleweight, that's where you're gonna that's where you're gonna campaign that yeah, from yeah, now and one thing I did want to, uh, I did want to touch on with you, um, Jamie. Uh, if Groves can't make the final, do you believe that Eubank should get the chance to step in and perhaps maybe fight Callum Smith? Should he get through his uh, semi-final on Saturday? Uh, uh,
3: ethical, I think it would be ethical for that to happen, but I don't know how how, how the system works in the World Super Series. Uh, so I don't really have no comment on that. I can't really comment too much on that.
4: And you have we've seen uh, in interviews. Recently, Eddie Hearn says that um, he's interested in making the uh, a fight between yourself and John Ryder. Is that a is that a fight that you've been in talks with uh, in, with Eddie with? Uh,
3: I think I think just, yeah I think I think there's talks of it now and uh, I'm just preparing for anyone. I'm ready. I'll be, I'll be ready for any of them. I'm ready to make a statement uh, coming back uh, after that loss and. Uh,
4: and how active would you like to be this year Jamie at, at, at super middleweight I, as, as after joining um, Matchroom Boxing would you like to be out as much as you can on the big shows the the rider fight looks like it could be on the May 5th Hey Bell U card. yeah yeah four times a year five times a year that
3: would be nice
4: yeah and do you think maybe picking up a few wins that you could maybe get a, another chance at George Groves yes And this is if Callum Smith gets through his final and George Groves is fit enough. Who do you think will come out the winner of the um, the super middleweight uh, World Boxing Super Series? I think
3: George will win the
4: competition. Okay, Jamie. I really appreciate you taking out the time to answer the questions. I'm glad uh, I could ask you those few, and uh, I really appreciate you uh, taking the call. Uh, no any
3: time, just any time, you want to come with me, that's
2: uh, my number. Yeah, I really appreciate it. I'll keep in touch. Thanks, Jamie.
4: No worries. Take care.
2: Cheers, Pat. There you go, interview with Jamie Cox. It's good to hear from him. Good to hear what he's been up to, obviously, since the defeat to George Groves. Moving on, like I said before, we've got the show over in America this weekend, as well as Deontay Wilder and Ortiz. We've also got two World Light Heavyweight Championship fights. We've got Sergey Kovalev coming back in the ring, going for the WBO Light Heavyweight title. It's a good good chance for him to get another title. Now, and obviously, Andre Ward's retired, or seemingly retired, sending out cryptic messages on Instagram, of course. but. It's good for Kovalev because he's potentially going to pick up another world title this weekend. What do you make of? Yeah, I think Kovalev... Andre Ward retired in that uh,
1: retired in that way. Mayweather used to retire all the time, didn't he? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, But yeah, Kovalev, good to see him back. And he's quality fighter, pound for pound, you know, right up there. Uh, I thought he acquitted himself well in those Andre Ward fights. I think he'll win again this weekend. The only trouble I think for Kovalev is after that Ward fight, you sort of think. Who else is he going to fight? I sort of feel like he's just going to clean up the division now. I'm not sure there's really anyone out there who could compete with him. So I think he's going to be... He'll be on a a long winning streak, but I'm not sure there's going to be any... You know, to to have a massive fight, you need to have two. And I think he's so far out there on his own that, uh, that that could almost work against him for being too good.
2: Well, on the same card... We've got the WBA world light heavyweight title fight between Dmitry Bivol and Sullivan Barrera. Uh Sullivan Barrera obviously being the, the title holder I believe at the moment. Um I could be wrong on that one. I'll have to double check my facts on that. But it's another good world light heavyweight title fight on the same card. So effectively it's like a um it's like a semi final, isn't it, between uh, these two. And then whoever wins out of Kovalev, um and Mick Halkin will fight the winner of Bivol and Barrera. And, you know, we could potentially see a unification fight for WBO and WBA titles. Which is what you
1: always want, like an unofficial World, uh, world Boxing Series, isn't it?
2: That's it. Uh, this is it. This is what we love about World Boxing Super Series. It gives us the best fights. <laughs> Hopefully we'll see that type of fight happen. But as you said about Kovalev, it's good to see him back. I'd like to see him in against the winner of Bivol and obviously Barrera. Don't think Andre Ward, if he comes back, will be going back to light heavyweight. He's talking about cruiserweight. He's even talking about heavyweight as well, which is uh, an interesting one, which I talked about last week on the podcast as well. And we've heard Tony Bellew come out this week and say he'd fight him. But we've also heard Tony Bellew come out this week and say he'd fight Tyson Fury as well. Well, you know, uh,
1: after, after Bell, you got the... The better of him, really, in in the uh, in the Rocky film, didn't he? Because Bellew had the big fight, and Andre Rob was left. So it'd be, I think, it'd be a nicer
2: build up if he made it into another Rocky film. But yeah. we'll see if Michael B. Jordan's up for it. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Hopefully, Bellew won't knock him out again like he did last time in the film. <laughs> <laughs> so no, it's another good weekend uh, for boxing again this weekend. And if if there's anything that I've missed off, uh, I apologise. There's so much, so much to cover, and obviously. With this bad weather that we've been having, it's been um, a very last-minute replacement today, so we're, we're, we're recording it, really, on a, on a whim, so to speak. So I think we've done all right, to be fair, considering. But it's, it's been, obviously, enjoyable, as always. But I always go to sort of the back end of the show, and I always look at talking about some of the subjects that have been going on this week. And one of them that I touched on a little bit earlier is someone that has been floating around social media today, George Groves vacated the IBO title after he won it against Chris Euban Jr. The sanctioning body are already talking about putting a potential fight on between Chris Huban Jr. and Paul Smith. What do you think about that? Paul Smith? Wow. Uh,
1: I mean, that is incredible. But I mean, I mean, <laughs> IBO, it's not really a belt, is it? I mean, Chris Huban <laughs> Jr. is the only person that appreciates it as a, as a world title, and I I don't understand what this relationship is that (laughs) they—they seem to love Chris Eubank Jr. I'd watch it. I mean, it's not—it's not the two best fighters in the world. It's an interesting domestic fight. It'd be good, sort of good to see Paul Smith back again. I've always been a Paul Smith fan. Uh, I think Chris Eubank could have too much for him, but I, I, a little bit of me is a bit tied out by the the whole Eubank circus. To be honest with you, I think you know—I don't know how much they've had so much lip service over the last the last month or so, last six months. It'll be interesting to see how it how it plays out. But yeah, that—that's from left. I
2: wouldn't—I didn't see that coming. Yeah, well, uh, it's not been confirmed officially, but I when think
1: was Paul was...
2: Smith's last fight? Oh, you know what? I don't even know. You know, this <laughs> i think his last fight was a world title challenge. I'm pretty sure it was a world title uh, failed attempt, and that's what I was saying earlier on to you about the uh, fighters getting world title shots too many times. And and with all due respect to Paul, and I've always followed his career and I've always liked Paul Smith. He he's had—he's for me—he's had too many world title shots that I don't think he's thoroughly deserved. And this looks like it's going to be another one by the sounds of it. You know, his his last. Fine. Yeah, well,
1: boxing's one of those sports, isn't it? It's, it's not what you deserve, it's what you negotiate.
2: Well, his last fight, Simon, was against uh, Tyrone Zoiger in June last year. Oh, um, in Germany, and... yeah. I do remember that. <coughs> that was his last fight, and, and obviously I wasn't expecting him, but he hasn't officially retired, so... This, this is obviously something that could happen. Uh, it's a good way for Chris Uban Jr. to get himself back into uh, some sort of contention if he wins a world title or a fringe world title again. Uh, for Paul Smith Jr., it's probably just going to be another great payday for him. I can't honestly believe he, he really is in it to try and win this world title. Really, it's a fringe world title. He's, you know, he's fought, he's fought some of the best, hasn't he? Really, he's fought Andre Ward, he's fought Arthur Abraham twice. You know, he's been in with the likes of James De and George Groves earlier on in his career. So he's been in with world champions uh, or people that became world champions later on. So for him to be going back in again at his age and looking for a world title at thirty-five. I kind of feel like it is just more for the money now.
1: Yeah, I, I'm a big fan of Paul Smith as a pundit. Actually, I
2: think he's he's you know he's
1: he's always worth listening to. I think he's quite insightful. Him and, him and Matthew Macklin are probably my two favourite pundits. But yeah, I mean. I you know it's an interesting fight isn't it but it's not a world title fight you know maybe they'll have this IBO backing or whatever but no one's legitimately going to think oh that's the best super, middle, super middleweight in the world but yeah I'm sure they'll they'll both make some money it's probably you know ITV will have it on box office again and we'll have to pay 20 quid through the nose for it won't we oh god
2: yeah I can't imagine that well speaking speaking of pundits actually Simon Cahill again I don't know he managed to get this particular interview this week but he managed to catch up with Sky's Johnny Nelson which it was a fantastic interview which I'm going to play. For the listeners now, and then we'll come towards the end of the show and we'll we'll just talk about some of the other boxing news this week. So, guys, here you go. I've got a great exclusive interview with Sky's Johnny Nelson.
4: Uh, Johnny, I'll just run through a few questions. Is that okay? I won't keep it too long. uh, uh, Yeah, I just wanted to get your take on uh, the George Groves, uh, Chris Eubank Jr. fight the other night and what you made of it. Uh, I think
0: before the fight, I said the fight was for George Groves to lose. When I said that, what I meant was. George Groves is a, a more of a light heavyweight coming out of the middleweight where uh, Chris was a, a, a middleweight kind of box a, a, a light heavyweight. Uh, Chris, Billy Joe Sona showed the blueprint to beating Chris, which was to box him. He's got the ability, jab, movement, various angles. Uh, but Chris has also shown how he beats you, which is pressure, puts you in the pressure. If he can talk you into his kind of fight, you've got it. And so that's why the whole point of me saying this was for George to lose. Because on paper, George Groves shouldn't lose his fight should have lost that spot on paint. The, the, the big question was: what did George Grove uh, to, to If he fit enough to keep off the onslaught of a Dubai uh, uh is, is he disciplined enough to stick to his game plan? Because you look at the fight that he's lost, it's when he's deviating from the game plan. Uh, now, quite clearly, I, this is just a personal opinion: we've seen the best of George Grove. So what we see now is George Coulson, uh is, is uh, not as good as what he was, good enough to be world well. champion it's going to be enough to be the top of the hill and this comes with experience it comes with uh, things that George has been through for George to say you know what I've learned from my experience so what I, what I will now look for in what I was capable of doing uh, uh, when I was younger I had the experience to you know i around mistakes you know and fix a lot of things so that's why George that's how George won the fight he used experience he used discipline he used his boxing ability that he had and it was enough to be uh, a jubat junior he actually looked Dubank made him look a lot better, uh, made him look, actually, don't let see how, how good uh, George was. And he made it easy for him to do that, because during, uh, because during it, all they did was try and rush him, didn't try and uh, change change tactics, started to talk him into a fight. You know, before the fight, the father was saying, my son doesn't need a trainer. Now, between you and I, well, not between you and I, bullshit, every fight needs a trainer, even the best fighter in the world, I think, Muhammad Ali. Needed a, so needed a trainer. So every fighter needs a trainer. So I don't know if it was PR, it's arrogance, it's it, whatever. But my whole point is, um, uh, you do need a trainer. David Beckham won't be David Beckham without, and team Ronaldo won't be without without Brendan Ingle. The list can go on. So uh, my point is, there's some serious things that Chris Jr. has to address. Now people are quick to blame his father, blame Ronnie Davis or whatever. To me as a fighter, you blame yourself. You know, so regardless of what we think his father is involvement, regardless of what we think Chris is and isn't, isn't, isn't doing uh, uh, when it comes to his trainer's tactics, the book stops with Chris Jr. Because he's the one that's put there when a the battle goes. He's the one that makes the decision if a is hurt. He's the one that... that has been training and getting up at stupid o'clock in the morning to do all the hard work, all the hard road work. So so the book stops with him. So for us to blame everybody to say to say his dad his dad running do is XYZ is wrong. You know, it's down to the gotta take responsibility for that. And uh, So uh, it's down uh, it to his father. So, uh it's down to the fix that so the fight actually uh hold on George Rolls, you've got to
4: give him credit. And what do you think Chris Eubank, and Chris Eubank Jr. should do now. Should he drop down to middleweight? Do you think any trainer in in, in Britain is going to take him on?
0: Yeah, he should stay middleweight. Um, he should stay middleweight. Uh, and obviously, this is me. I'm a middleweight. I'm nothing else. You know, I'm not a businessman. Not I'm a middleweight. middleweight. Um, um, uh, and middleweight he can play that realistically make a difference. But don't just do that alone. He's also got. Uh, uh, he's also got to he's also got to, he's also got to look and think what well, I've got to change because nothing's changed from when you lost to Billy Joe family. He's, compreh- uh, he's comprehensively lost to uh he comprehensively lost to uh uh to Billy He comprehensively lost to to, to, to grow. And comprehensively lost to to grow. So he's got to He's got to now address it. Now, if he's arrogant enough to think, well, I don't need a trainer. What I'll do is I'll just, I'll just intensify what I'm doing more. The same thing's going to happen all over again. So he's got to learn, lessons from what happened. And if he does that, then then there'll be adjustments. Otherwise, the next time he comes up against a boxer, the exact same thing's going to happen. Somebody that can box, that's fit, that's discipline. With experience, will 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 totally will outdo it.
4: And your your former division, the, the cruiserweight division. What do you make of the the world boxing super series? And what do you think? It, oh. Do you think it's a good thing for the cruiserweight division maybe to shine a light oh on God, some yeah, of the fights that are in? And do you think perhaps um, we've seen reports of Usyk maybe getting in with Bellew, Do you think that's going to happen, or do you think that May fifth, David Hay and Tony Bellew, will that be Tony's last fight, win or lose? Uh,
0: I think Tony is a businessman; he's not a fool. Uh, so Tony, Tony, I think Tony go where the big fights are. You know and that smart one you, you can't disrespect him for that uh, and celebrate so that about Tony. So I don't think that will happen realistically, uh, or oh, don't outweigh the risk. So uh, I don't think that will happen, uh, but uh, so I, I just can't see. I mean, I can't see uh, any Brits fighting Muay because it's too dangerous, too good, and, and the world's
4: not good enough, and, and, and the British fighters not good enough. And how do you see the fight between uh, Tony Bellew and David Hay? Do you think that uh, do you think David Haye's body will hold up? Do you think that uh, we're going to see a, a different performance on the night from both?
0: Uh, I, I hope that you know, David Haye's body holds up, and 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 David Haye. Uh, David Kane and Tony Bellew themselves would say uh, an old version of, 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 of David Kane will beat Tony Bellew every to week. Uh, but can David turn back time? If David can't turn back time and be the fights that he wants, uh, even if he wins, he'll pack it. You know, because David wants to fight the big fights with Anthony Joshua, X, Y, Z. So if he, if, he, if he doesn't win, he'll pack it. If he doesn't box well, he'll pack it. So, so there's a lot of stake for David.
4: Do you genuinely believe he'll pack it in, or do you think he'll carry on if the money was good enough? Maybe the no, packs. I genuinely will... believe
0: he'll pack in. I genuinely believe I can. he's pride won't let him box at any, any level beneath star star level you know big, big show level he's you know, pride won't let him do that so just lay it down he's pride uh, yeah he's won't let him do that so, uh, so, uh, so that's, that's the situation the heavyweight
4: division is really buzzing at the moment we see uh, Joshua taking on Parker and we see Ortiz taking on Wilder uh, how do you see those two fights going and do you think if they both come through those fights that we will get the big huge fight Wilder and um, Joshua this summer yeah
0: yeah, I do. I think it's a great shout for Wilder. I think I think it's a great shout for Wilder. I think this is Wilder's defining fight. I think uh, he's find fighting the fight that nobody wants to box and I rate Wilder for doing it. Uh, uh, Parker again, you know, they've got the best. I think that was officially world champions, the best in the world. So you've got to find each other. To me that good. this is what our division what world championship box is around. I do believe Parker would, I do believe uh, the winners will fight each other and we'll eventually have a unified champion.
4: And And how would you see a fight on between uh, Wilder and Joshua? Do you think it's the biggest in heavyweight boxing, or do you think maybe Joshua and Fury would be the biggest fight? No, I I
0: actually think, I actually think, I actually think that the the, 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 the biggest fight is actually Anthony Joshua against Tyson Fury, and then realistically, you're talking on a world level.
4: We have Cal Brook coming back next week. Um, I don't know if you've seen Cal in the gym, but he's training down your old gym in the Ingle Gym. What do you think Cal have to do um, on his return to the ring? Do you think he still has the big fights left in him? And as you said, we have Amir Khan coming back. Do you think that Matchroom might want to keep them apart? It does, would, it, would it make sense for the two of them to fight? Because it doesn't really give much for the, the person coming no, off no, of the no, feet. No,
0: I, I think everybody excited about match signing, uh, signing uh, uh, Amir Khan because it's, well, it's a more realistic captain of Khan and Buck fighting. So, um, but we can't get giddy and gassed about the idea of it happening because this file only happened if I'm being called one. That's the only reason why this file happened. So let's get these guys go on their own path to what they're doing themselves. And if they do that, then if it happens, it happens. we've got to try and be smart. Let's not get giddy really about this. we because this fight should have happened a year ago, two years ago. And there's still no horizon. But yeah, it could not happen, quite there. So he got wait.
4: That's what I was One fight One fighter that we've seen uh, make huge improvements recently, Billy Joe Saunders. Why do you think moving to the Ingle Gym has been has uh, benefited him so much? Funny you're that I was
0: with Billy Joe the other day and he, we had this conversation and he said, because he now loves boxing again, he's found a gym that gets it. That gets, you know, you get some people that have got a special kind of crazy and that's what the Ingle Gym's full of. Full of the special kind of crazy fighters that are so unorthodox. You know they're not the most popular because people think they, they just thought about how they perform, how they approach, how they how they train, the training methods. But if you get it, you get it. You'll always get it. And now Billy Joe is fighting like the fighter people expected to be three or four years ago. And he loves the game. He loves the man. You go in that gym. You would not know the champion who's challenging a uh, novice, so, uh, an experienced fighter. It's a level that everybody learns. You know, it's not just about physical training; it's about mental training. And, and my people, it reading this, might think you know it going a bit deep. But listen, I was brought I know what the gym can achieve. I can do to people they are willing to listen,
4: and really Joe is clearly willing to listen, and, and the results pay off. And one fighter fight next week that I did want to touch on was Dave Allen. Um Do you think? Next week could be his last chance, maybe on a big uh, Sky card. Without
0: a doubt, without a doubt, Dave Allen, you know, match him. Have a soft spot for Dave Allen, which I can understand. He's a nice guy. So, so they're hoping he pulls it off so he can put him on because he's a he's a, he's a, he's a That's what this fight game means. So I do honestly
4: believe the last chance because why? How else can he get him on the mix to uh, to get things back together? if he do not pull this off. Okay, just one more, Johnny, and then I'll let you go. Um, I was just wondering if Tyson Fury does sign with Frank Warren and Josh will be with Eddie Hearn. Do you think that fight is harder to make, or do you think that the promoters should be able to oh, come yeah. together? Without a, doubt, without a doubt, it's harder to make. Without a doubt, it'd be harder to make. And so
0: it'd be down, it won't be down to the fighters, it down to the, uh, the, the promoters, the politics of our game, and it won't be down to the fighters uh, while the fight doesn't happen, and that's the only downside to it. But Tyson's not an idiot. He might have some clause in his contract to say, you know, this fight happens on my terms, um, in regards to Frank Warren. Uh, but yeah, without a doubt, I do believe
4: harder Cardiff's that. But it's not an impossible task. Listen, Johnny, I really appreciate you taking the time out to uh, to answer the few questions and to take the call. I really appreciate it. No problem, brother. No problem.
2: God bless. Take care, Stay yeah? Years, Thanks. Bye. There you go. Carl there, managing to catch up with Sky's. Johnny Nelson. Great exclusive interview for us there on Beyond the rocks Boxing Podcast. Really, really happy to have got that this week. But let's move on. We're coming towards ahead of the show. Let's talk about... You know, boxing in general this week and what's been going on. We've talked about this uh, announcement uh, with the IBO title potentially being on the line. Uh, obviously, we've had the sad news and, and passing of Scott Westgarth this week. Simon Booth, obviously being an idiot. But Simon, is there anything else on your mind for for boxing this week? Uh, yeah, well, after this, I'm going to go to a boxing class with my
1: girlfriend actually. So that's that's the main thing on my mind. Because last uh, a couple of weeks ago on Valentine's Day we went and she punched me in the face. So <laughs> gonna have to have my reactions a little bit more on it this week after the uh, the the brute. And it was one of them where she punched me in the face and then because everyone was watching, I had to pretend that it didn't hurt. But, <laughs> won't be making that same mistake again. That's uh, <laughs> so that's my big aim for 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 tonight if I can come out of it without a black eye then I'll be uh, I'll be pretty, pretty pleased with things and then I don't really know if I'll be able to follow that, because I'm going on a stag do this weekend, so I don't know if I'll be, uh, I'll be able to follow the boxing, so I think it might be early next week I'll be just trying to catch up with the boxing again.
2: Yeah, and I think, I think most of the stuff that we've, we've kind of covered on the show today has been a lot of the, uh, the controversial stuff and sad stuff that we've had this week. <laughs> we've, got some, we've got some really great stuff coming up in the next couple of weeks because we've got the likes of Dillian White, uh, Lucas Brown going at it, we've got the Joshua <laughs> Parker fight with all the undercard coming up, so it's uh, this next month that we're going into you know it's going to be a great month for boxing it's um, so much going on as usual and, and and hopefully we'll hear about the uh what's going to happen with the Grove Smith final i mean we touched on it at the start of the show but do you think the Sourlands are going to be able to delay the, the the final for Groves. Do you think it's fair? Because I think it is. Because he's the only one with the world title at the moment. Well, I think it, it completely undermined the competition if they got a replacement
1: in again. So I, I think that, I think they have to wait. And I think Groves knows that he's in quite a strong bargaining position to to tell them to wait. And that's what I see happening. And I think it's one of those injuries that he will be. You know, it is going to happen. like by this summer isn't it it's not like he's out for a year or something and then you go oh yeah we need to look at other things and you know this was always going to happen you know they they had two competitions in two weight divisions where they wanted to get three different rounds of competition done inside eight months statistically in boxing that (laughs) someone was always going to get injured i I think they'll wait i think it'll be a grovesmith final and i think it'll be uh, i think it'll be a bit of a classic actually i think it'll be it'll be worth waiting for and then uh you know, they'll be able to fight the other world title holder who'll be Paul Smith or uh <laughs> oh British you, bank yeah oh, and you know funny. maybe even james de will get back amongst it so you know there's plenty to look forward to on that weight division and uh yeah pretty excited
2: what other weights would you want to see world boxing super series at
1: uh well uh good question uh i'd, I'd love to see uh the likes of frampton quigg uh, Danae, uh who are the other ones at that weight division i'd love to see, see them all Santa in together that'd be that'd be good yeah oh yeah exactly yes yeah. so, i mean if you get all them in together what would you like to see
2: Well, I've mentioned the featherweight division, funnily enough, uh, on on previous episodes of the podcast. But uh, one of them that... um That Cahill mentioned last week or the week before was was heavyweight. What about the heavyweight world boxing super series where they all have to fight each other? That would be Dream World, And would, would you throw Tyson Fury straight in? Oh, yeah, you've got, to, uh, you've got to do it. I mean, the heavyweight division at the moment is, um, it is lacking Who a lot. Who would be your eight? Who would be my what? Me eight? Ooh. Who would be your eight fighters? Oh, uh, Tyson Fury, Anthony Joshua. Yeah, uh, Fury,
1: Wilder, Joshua. They're straight in,
2: aren't yeah, they? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'd probably, I'd probably stick Joseph Parker in it. You know, even if he loses to yeah. Joshua. Uh, so there's four. Who else have we got floating around at the moment? Dillian White. I'd stick Dillian White in there.
1: Yeah, I agree. Um, I think he's, uh, I'm really impressed with Dillian White. I think I'm looking forward to that uh, White Brown fight. And- I think the thing with White is that you know his only loss is obviously against Joshua, where he actually took Joshua, you know, five six rounds, Put you know, and he put Joshua under pressure. And you think, as Joshua's career has now gone stratospheric, that loss looked more and more impressive on Dillian White's record. Would you put for P- in, Another I'll,
2: drug cheat. Yeah, you know what I was going to say, Povetkin. But then again, to be fair, I've said on previous episodes of the podcast that I'd love to see David Price smash Povetkin. I really would love to see him smash it and get at least get himself one big swan song because I don't think he's he's had the deserve he hasn't had the luck of the draw really he's been in uh, with fighters that have been drugs cheats and he's lost to them and there his losses on his record twice to Tony Thompson and once to Erin Tapper drugs cheats so I think he deserves at least one good. Good luck of fortune throughout his career, and I hope he smashes Povetkin. And I'd love to see, you know, pricey in there. But I think Povetkin would probably be the one that I'd end up in there. Um, You'd probably, you know, look at someone like Manuel Chá will probably get thrown in there. Um, You'd probably Dominic Brazil as well. Yeah, Takam as well. Yeah, Takam, Takam, dominate Brazil. Uh, You'd see all them in there as well. And then Andre Ward is a wild card. What what a tournament that'd be. Oh even Bellew. Yeah, you could throw Bellew in there as well, couldn't you? Yeah, oh yeah, of course. Bellew in as a wild card. Yeah. Well there you go, that'd be a good Obviously, one. Obviously you
1: couldn't have David A because David A couldn't stay fit for one fight, let alone three, so
2: <laughs> Well yeah, we'll see if um, we'll see if he stays fit enough for this fight this time against the Belly on the May the fifth. But before I wrap it up, Simon, have you got anything else on your mind this week? Oh, just that it's been an honour.
1: I've uh, I've enjoyed every minute of it. I can only apologize to the listeners for my uh Incompetence and ignorance, but uh, there'll be better people on next week. <laughs> Keep listening to this this pod, the greatest podcast in boxing.
2: Oh, thank you very much. You know that that's a that's definitely a mantle piece because you know what, Simon, there's so many out there at the moment. You know it's quite a saturated market with boxing and boxing media, but you know I like to think that we 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 give a good a good run for our money so to speak we get some great interviews on the show I just want to wrap it up then and, and say first of all thanks to yourself for jumping on very last minute I know you're very busy you have a lot of stuff going on you you know you're down in London took the time always out. got time for you mate thank you. you you've took the time out to do this this evening so I really appreciate it and I just want to say thank you everybody that listens to the podcast on a week by week basis thank you for the feedback that you keep providing via Facebook and via Twitter it's really appreciated and we'll continue to keep bringing you weekly episodes with interviews from fighters across the UK and we might even try and be cheeky and try and get some from across the USA as well, you never know what we can get, thank you everybody again for downloading and listening to it, you can follow us at BTR Boxing Pod uh, and on Facebook at Beyond the Ropes Boxing Podcast, you can find myself at Sean Bastow, E-S-B-R uh, Eat, Sleep, Boxing Repeat across all social media Simon, if anybody wants to follow you, where can they follow you?
1: Oh, uh, at Simon Planman on Twitter. Yeah, I'm always grateful for any follows.
2: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. <laughs>
1: oh, yeah, I, I didn't expect that to happen. Yeah, good thinking, yeah. Please follow me.
2: <laughs> well, Simon, I am very neat. <laughs> <laughs> you do a lot of writing, Simon. You write a lot of good articles, and it might not be on boxing-related subjects, but, you know, we, we're not... Boxing isn't the only thing everybody, you know, listens to or reads, so it'd be good for, you know, people yeah, to, Google, to get that. Yeah, uh,
1: Google Simon Mann BBC, you can read all my
2: blogs. Yeah. But no. yeah, it's been a pleasure. Absolutely. Uh, guys, I hope you've enjoyed the episode. I really appreciate everything. I want to give a big final shout out to the sponsors for the podcast, which is Steroplast Healthcare Limited and also Cheer Protein Bar. They got this podcast up and running, so I can't thank Denver and the Cheer Protein Bar enough for that. Cahill should be back next week with more interviews. And thank you very much, and we'll see you next week. Sports Social Podcast Network.